Hello and welcome back to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. You are not hearing Jesse Parker Humphreys, nor are you hearing Abdullah Abdullah because the B team have rolled in, Ollie. That's right. We're taking over this match review podcast. It turns out that there's work involved. Jesse had to work. Abdullah's, it's midnight where he is right now. So it's like, look, we're ready. B, B squad's always ready to take over and we're doing it right now. Oh, we're absolutely ready. And uh, quite frankly, watching that game earlier was pure work. So, <laughs> 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 we, Would you say that we earned this one? Because uh, I would. I, I think if you are listening to this, you've already seen the title of the podcast, and that is that Chelsea have advanced in both domestic cups this week. And so we are going to talk primarily about the Crystal Palace match as, as we just got done uh, watching that about a couple hours ago and a little bit uh, of the... Uh, Conti Cup um, match that happened on Wednesday, just to kind of recap that since uh, this week's episodes were dedicated to the uh, Women's Champions League draw and Amara Ramirez special, which both are, are worthy listens. Go back, listen to those, then you'll get the two cups in one episode here. So look, we're all about efficiency. That's what we're doing here. Uh, as you will know by listening to the show for a long time, uh, there are a lot of different ways that you can support us. The community has been amazing, uh, especially after the news that we moved to Men and Blazers. So just thank you. Uh, if you are looking to uh, support the show and throw us a little bit of extra love, of course, you can do that through five-star reviews, subscriptions on YouTube. That really does help. And then, of course, uh, signing up for the London is Blue Dispatch. Dan had a little uh, newsletter this week that that is worth your your read and then of course if you do want to do a little bit more and join the paid community on discord we would highly recommend that as well but ollie we are going to talk about one wonder goal in this in this match review of course we're going to talk about the goal uh, we're going to talk about the uh tough opposition that that was faced in the fa cup and just a casual domestic treble still being on. Don't worry about it if you're anyone else. It's just a casual domestic treble that Chelsea are still uh, going to be a part of um, because of the Conti Cup match against Sunderland, the win there. But three-word match review, Ollie. That's right. When we win, we're in. And, of course, the three-word match reviews, we're, we're flying today. You want to read a, a few of those back to the people? Yeah, we had a Mega Hearn here saying a few Myra Mirrors. I think a lot of us felt like that. Um <laughs> Rob chiming in with the She's From Columbia, the kind of Wacka Wacka remix that we had for uh, Edward yeah. Mendy. Uh, Myra's mesmerizing moment. Uh, I think that's going to be a, a theme going through here. Thanks, Backkill Myra <laughs> from Sylvia Salinas. Um, we've got a Norfolk Chelsea with Classes Permanent um, and Michael Dotti with a Filthy from Myra. And I think if you've not seen Myra Ramirez's goal, what are you doing? <laughs> Since you finished this, uh, listening to this, go and check it out. And finally, we've got a uh, Rob with Lost Without LJ, which, yeah, we'll get into it as a, an interesting kind of last minute change to the lineup. Um, yeah, tough one. <laughs> yeah, a few more that I've just added here. Uh, Meg with Boring Backheel Blues, kind of funny. Ramirez cracks, cracks Crystal from, from Robbie and then Snacks. So flicking good. So flicking good. That is right. Uh, OG, my guy, what is your three word match review? Yeah, I had a Magic Myra moment. I have to bring out the alliteration for my guy. Um, it was just, uh, I mean, um, yeah, Matt, who was on comms uh, for Chelsea TV, obviously touched on it on on Twitter as well. But um, 
it was just so unlike the rest of the game, just that kind of ridiculous moment of quality that was kind of world-class, right? And yeah, just lovely. What was yours? Kind of world-class. It was world-class. Domestic treble on. That is right. Yeah, uh, Champions League is going to be a whole other kettle of fish. You know, I think if you've listened to the episode that Jesse and Abdullah did midweek on that draw and who our likely semifinal opponents are going to be, that's going to be a whole different deal. I'm focusing on the domestic treble right now. And Ollie, after uh, a couple of critical wins, uh, one a lot easier and more fun to watch than the other, uh, we are, we're moving on. And some other teams in London couldn't possibly know what that feels like after today. So, you know, take, take the wins where you can get them. Uh, <laughs> look, we, of course, are talking about the FA Cup uh, fifth round. Chelsea won Crystal Palace nil. Uh, Myra... Myra Ramirez with the 81st minute goal back heel delight. Uh, the stats, Ollie, read read the stats. Help contextualize the moment for the people. Yeah, I mean, it, they kind of give a nice outline to what the game was. It was essentially a training session attack versus defense, if we're being brutally honest. But for a lot of that time, uh, the defense <laughs> was winning out. <laughs> They're proving a, a stubborn nut to crack. So you had 13... Total shots for Chelsea to two for Palace, three on target for us, one of which obviously went in, and none on target for Palace. And yeah, that was very much a recurring theme. Had 76% possession. I mean, that's, you know, utter dominance in terms of that possession. Three times as many passes, 84% pass accuracy to 43%. So you get an idea of kind of what Palace were aiming for there and a lot of clearances. Almost double our foul count, seven to four. Um, one yellow card there where, I mean, we'll touch on the refereeing, but <laughs> at times there were some very questionable decisions there. We had seven offsides, seven. <laughs> one of which was highly questionable. But yeah, you can take us through the lineup. One one could even say it was an offside um, if you were so inclined. Uh, but hey, yeah, the, the lineup was a full rotation basically from the midweek minus uh, a couple of people. Uh, Hannah Hampton returning to goal, of course. Uh, Lawrence, Carter, Bjorn, and Charles as the, uh, what I think is pretty much first choice backline at this point. Aaron Cuthbert and Melly Lupuls in the midfield. Canarid, Kirby, Wrighton, and Ramirez make up kind of the attacking four. And Kirby was uh, kind of a late add for a uh, sick LJ who, I think had tried to go make a little bit of a, an attempt to play, but just certainly couldn't do it. Uh, subs uh, were uh, Shukinuskin, uh, Chankovic, and Beaver Jones, of course, making the the uh, substitute appearances. Unused subs, Sachir uh, Musevich, Sophie Engel, Lauren James, Ave Paraset, Micah Amato, and Kadisha Buchanan. Uh, Ollie, let's talk about the lineup here because, you know, I think we're starting to maybe see a little bit of a trend line at Chelsea where there is a firm grasp on rotation perhaps Emma learning some hard lessons from the past where she's ground some of our key players down at this stage of the year. And they had very little left as you approached April and May. Uh, do you think that the midweek rotation should have set us up for a, a better game plan today? Or is this simply just always going to be difficult? Yeah. I mean, we touch on it a lot um, under Emma Hayes. There are games where we go through and we just do enough, just want to do enough, get through Obviously, result is the main thing, especially in knockout competition. Some teams don't get through to the FA Cup six round and, uh, or the quarterfinal, rather. Like, <laughs> you know, the, the, we want to be there perennially, right? So you want to do just about enough 
saving all the right people. And I think she touched on it um, after the game when she was asked about Lauren James as well, right? She's saying, you know, when Lauren's immunity is compromised, uh, she's sick. You don't want to take these chances, especially with big games coming up. And I don't think that was limited to just Lauren, right? I think there were 11 changes last week, 11 changes today, you know, and only some teams in world football can do that in the women's game, obviously, and, and put out these results. But I mean, you're talking about the biggest game of the season, arguably, so far for us on Friday, right? So you've got to prepare properly. And I think we did just about enough and it wasn't it wasn't pretty at times and it was very pretty at some times. <laughs> but um, like, I, I think we just did enough and we do that a lot under Emma. Yeah, just to contextualize the quote that Ollie was talking about there, uh, Emma talking about LJ, she said she was a little bit sick yesterday. Her tonsils were up and I decided to not take the risk. I told her to go home. She will be fine. You have to make those decisions knowing you've got some big games coming up, of course, referencing City on Friday, which, you know, for all intents and purposes, could be a title decider in February, which is a crazy ass thing to say. But here we are. Um Look, it, it was really interesting, right? Because the, you know, I think we'll talk about this in the Sunderland part later on at the at the end, but uh, the refresh on Wednesday was fun and light and the team was playing incredibly well. Uh, the, you know, what I would consider some of our strongest versions of our squad playing today, maybe, you know, of course, minus LJ, didn't feel as free, didn't feel as, uh, as maybe... Uh, free flowing or or kind of maybe the the you know expectations kind of got to him. Uh, one big note for Chelsea, and I think this is huge given the uh, amount of praise that we are about to heap on her for an incredible goal. But Myra Ramirez was not called up for Columbia's Gold Cup roster. The Gold Cup being the first iteration of this new tournament that's being played. So uh, perhaps Emma winning a very strategic battle here to keep a key transfer as a part of the squad for as long as possible? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's absolutely huge for us that she's not going. Um, and, and you know, <laughs> yes, I think there may have been some strategic phone calls around kind of involvement. And yeah, you, you know what things are like. You want to re- recreate that call? Um, I'll be Columbia's coach. You'll be Emma Hayes. Hey, Emma, can we have Myra for the Gold Cup? Sorry, you've reached the wrong number. <laughs> Uh, wow, that's that's super weird. I've talked to her before on this number. I, I suppose we're not going to get her. That's tough, tough beat for everybody. Uh, so, look, I, I guess last kind of talking point in the lineup. Are you surprised, just given how tough of a game this was for Chelsea, that only three subs were used? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, I kind of feel like this was a nice acid test to see where the vibes were before City. Um, and I, I don't think that it's, it's actually that bad that we had to push so hard to get through this, um, especially like as underwhelming as we were. Because City are probably the second best defence in the league after us, if not kind of better than us at times, depending on personnel involved. They are going to put up a massive wall in front of us and we have to break that wall down. And Palace, you know, they didn't have many aspirations going forward, but they they set up very well tactically. They were very narrow between the lines. They didn't allow us that kind of space out wide. They forced us to try things. I think, to be honest, we needed that kind of kick after, you know, we'll come on to Sunderland, but after how easy it was uh, midweek, I think we needed a kind of, 
you know, dose of realism here to just say you can't just waltz through every game, no matter the opposition. I think Emma would definitely have drummed that into them after the game. Yeah, two championship sides, two vastly different approaches, two vastly different results. So, uh, yeah, we're going to get into all of the talking points from the Palace uh, game here in a second. But, of course, we're going to toss it over to the advertisers. Thank you for supporting the show, and we'll be right back. All right, Ollie, uh, I, I need a hand-up accountability moment here just to say uh, I, I took control of the Twitter account today during the match. This is a a thing that Dan only lets me do uh, for very limited occasions, um, but today was one of those occasions, and after the first two minutes of the game, I boldly announced this match would be full of goals. Uh, so I, I clearly screwed it up for everybody, and I apologize if you had to watch that um, because of my silliness, but... Uh, you know, you think back to the first two minutes of this one, I think we had two clear-cut chances and we hit the bar. Fran hit the bar from a wild, long shot, which was amazing. I was like, well, this is going to be a nice Sunderland-esque performance result. Goals going in all over the place. Basically nothing after that for 70 minutes. Uh, your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I mean, thanks, Nick. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they came to yeah. you. Uh... <laughs> no, I mean, to be honest, I think we all thought that after the first couple of minutes, it was that kind of dominance. You, know, you, you look at the possession, it is attack versus defence. And we did hit the bar multiple times. I think there was just that kind of split second moments that didn't quite fall for us at times. And when those go in early on, then the kind of flood, floodgates open. And it was only up until we kind of scored that you were, you were thinking that obviously Palace we're getting more and more confident and that helped their defensive effort. So if one of those moments had fallen for us early on, I think it would have been a, probably a different game, but you know, credit to palace for, for sticking, sticking at it because, you know, across the other parts of the league cup will, will go, will go on to, but you know, <laughs> as soon as a championship side opens up, you are going to be obliterated by a team of, of supreme quality. Right. So you know, credit to them for for sticking to their guns. And, you know, we eventually got through it. Well, let's talk about the Palace approach, because I think you and I both came away impressed by what they were able to do. And I think that's fair play, right? Um, there's a lot of teams who have not lasted uh, that long in defense against Chelsea. Uh, I think there's a huge amount of credit due to their playing coaching staff for coming out with the game plan and executing it about as well as they could have hoped to do, obviously, Two shots, none on target. They weren't going to win with this approach, but they could certainly take it all the way to the end, right? Um, this was a weird approach because it was both a like very low block 10 <laughs> that was played with basically two sets of five across the back in midfield. With I don't think a defined striker in their lineup, really, in, in the way that they were going forward. And they were pressing out of it. Uh, which is a very odd sort of setup. Typically, when you see these banks of five or, or you have a block 10 or whatever, the goal is to just stay within your zone. Don't let anything bypass you. They were not doing that. They were pressing up, um, you know, as far as they could really get away with, with, you know, the athleticism in their team. And they caused Chelsea a hell of a lot of problems with this approach. And I don't know what you made out of it, but it, it felt pretty bold to me, um, even though, of course, going forward, again, not anything really that we had to worry about there. But, I, you know, we've seen a lot of better teams in the WSL do a hell of a lot worse with their game plans than this. 
Yeah, I mean, they they literally went for their strengths, right? And strength being the key word. I mean, out from the bat, they were super aggressive against Myra, um, even going into midfield against Melly and Erin. There were a lot of fights in there, and you know, to, for ball wins and things like that. And, you know, we did win the majority of them, but they were pushing us back in, in, in and out of possession. And, yeah, I think that kind of aggression characterized the whole game for them. Um, so that's what I kind of got from it in terms of uh, what they were setting out to do, right? And it did disrupt us. And I think going back to that kind of attitudinal piece of like how we came into this game and maybe LJ dipping out um, affected us as well. Whereas this is the sort of game you just pass the ball to LJ and let her do things, right? And she wasn't there today. And I think that was that was part of it as well. They put up a block and said, go on and beat us. And, you know, we got there eventually. But for the first, yeah, 70 minutes after the first two minutes, like it, there was an issue. And, and I think credit to them. Um, I think that physicality is something that will serve them well if they do get promoted this year, because the one thing you have to match in the WSL is that physical output. Um, and, and that's what, you know, teams like Bristol City um, have struggled with this year in the WSL. But also, you know, Villa early on couldn't match the physical effort of a lot of teams above them and they were open up, they were opened up far too easily. And I think that is the kind of um, paradox here is that, you know, in, in order to get a result, they couldn't really all out attack us because we would have written to shreds. But, you know, saying that deep, allow them to get to a place where maybe they could have taken it to extra time and then penalties and then anything can happen. Right. Yeah. I mean, this was one of, I think the points that Emma made after the match and she said, it's a cup match. Sometimes people think we're in a different league, so it's going to be a pushover. They've given us a tougher time or tougher game than some WSL teams this year, uh, kind of echoing my sentiments. It was very frustrating to watch. I'm sure it was frustrating for the players to play in. They knew they weren't at their best level. The number of games we've had, I could see where there may have been freshness in our legs, but maybe not in our brains today, uh, which is a very interesting quote. Uh, we've had a lot of football. I don't think that was our best performance by any means. I think Chelsea looked a little bit lost without LJ, um, kind of playing that rover, kind of roaming number 10 forward role, whatever we're calling it. Maybe we'll call it the LJ role at some point. Um I felt like we just didn't have that press breaker. We didn't have someone who was going to dribble past, you know, they, they had kind of triangles of players around our best players, right? They had a triangle around Myra. They had a triangle around Guru. The, the playmakers who maybe aren't as kind of dribble carry happy as Lauren is. And once you have someone like that, who can break those triangles up, it's really difficult to defend the rest of the players. It felt to me like we were missing that a little bit today, Ali. I'm not sure how you felt about it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and also you touched on it, but we're all looking forward to seeing the next evolution of, of that kind of um, Lauren and Myra partnership, right? Um, and that got kind of cruelly taken away from us in the in the, um, <laughs> in the the warm-up before the game and she, she had to pull out, right? Um, and it did look like a team that had trained for a few days with LJ and that rotation role with Myra just to have that fluidity to break a low press, which I'm sure Emma anticipated, right? You know, she's watched Palace games this year. We have a great opposition analyst. They know how Palace play. They're very difficult to break down. Um, and they tend to get great set piece. Uh, they tend to have great set piece threats. So 
the kind of issue around that is obviously as soon as you take the piece out and you bring in Fran, who is brilliant in her own way, but in a different way, then you have to kind of adapt to that, right? And Palace knew that Fran isn't going to offer the same physical presence, even though she is now the reincarnation of Sam Kerr in the air <laughs> in the box. <laughs> it's not going to be that out, like in possession, right? She can hold up the ball in a limited way, but not the same way that a Lauren can. And what that meant was Myra was constantly facing back to goal and she couldn't always spin in behind because she was double teamed, triple teamed by Palace. Um, and it, it did alleviate the threat for them. So, yeah, I think that kind of hooking LJ very late on in the day did kind of throw a spanner in it. Um, and obviously we love Fran and, and we know what she can do, but it's it's a different threat she offers, right, Nick? Well, if the if the you know the goal goes in in the second minute from uh, about thirty yards out, I think we're all having a different conversation about the the change today. It's those fine margins, right? Absolutely. Um, I I guess the question I have for you, Ollie, is like this: is, you know, obviously not the last team this season that's going to press Chelsea um, and try and press Chelsea into mistakes. Famously, there's a potential semifinal opponent who will do exactly that uh, in the in the Champions League. Um, should should we be worried? that Chelsea have struggled a little bit against that, or is this something that maybe a couple of more of these sorts of difficult games is going to get this team to play a little bit better against the press? Yeah. I mean, you know me, I'm an eternal optimist. I always tend towards that latter option. Um, to me, maybe that's us. Let's go. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's, you know, it's, it's that kind of battle, battle hardenedness, right. That we need, we, we need to, be put up against a, a strong wall and break it down. And we need to get used to doing that because as dominant as we can be, like, you know, we'll come on to the game against Sunderland, but, you know, that isn't going to happen every week. Teams are simply not going to roll over and die for us because they know, firstly, taking Chelsea as a scalp is absolutely huge. We're one of the best teams in women's football, like top two, to be honest. <laughs> At this point, we have one of the best squads in world football. Teams see us as a scenario where they can make themselves into heroes, right? So we need to come up with uh, different options to break down these kind of packed defences. And I think Myra is that. And I think playing more direct and and at times, you know, a lot of the time this season, JRK has been that outlet down the side to to stretch play and Neve similarly down the left has been that outlet to stretch play. Myra is going to be that on the spin to to break through the middle of these these teams. But yeah, when you're missing a, a, a player of the caliber of LJ to break through a just sheer bloody mindedness of, of Palace, essentially, then it is going to be tougher. Um, I think Fran offers that kind of quality on the ball. If she had those options in front that weren't double and triple team, that she could have really exposed them. But credit to Palace for, for sorting that out. Yeah. yeah huge. I mean, I, I hope that they're watching this game tape over again. Um, to figure out where they could have done a little bit better. Now Barcelona oh, aren't going to play. They will be. <laughs> they're not. They're they're not going to play ten. You know, block ten press out of it. It'll be a way different vibe. But Chelsea has to be quicker with the ball, uh, much much quicker. They have to be more dynamic. They have to progress the ball better. A lot of misplaced passes today. I mean, you go back to the stats, and I mean. 84% is fine, but a lot of that was small back and forth passing to try and wrangle out of some sort of press opportunity. It was not very uh, clinical there. Uh, before we get to the the moment of the match, just 
a, a bit on the changes that inspired change. Uh, you and I both noticed, uh, although the announcers were a bit late in noticing today, that uh, there were some changes that were made <laughs> uh, coming out of the break. And uh, uh, Aggie and, and Shukunuskin, of course, added some much-needed dynamism. And I think both kind of stretched the ability of Palace to kind of buckle in as much as they were going to. Shuka, of course, moving through the midfield, Aggie moving on the right and being a lot more quick and dynamic with with the ball at our feet we of course hit the bar again uh in the second half and shuka probably should have scored the first goal of the game but was mistakenly called offside so uh talk about the changes i was particularly impressed with aggie coming on because i thought she really did offer something a little bit different than what jrk had in the first half yeah i mean uh, you're talking about to how i would characterize them and how i did in the chat chaos agents right shuknuskin a lot of the time <laughs> A lot of the time, she doesn't know what her next touch is going to be. Um, so God knows, So the opposition obviously can't can't <laughs> plan for that either. But between her and, and Aggie, they just offered that kind of different drive, different threat. You know, when you've got a physical presence running at you with speed, obviously it's going to shake you, right? You know, they're, they're, they're tall players. They know what they're kind of good at in terms of uh, aerial presence, in terms of mixing things up in the box. For Aggie, that's that kind of driving runs uh, down the wings as well. Like, they just shook things up. And it, it was a different threat for Palace. And they kind of failed to adapt in that kind of five, six, seven-minute period just after they come on, um, after the injury break, obviously, that the announcer <laughs> didn't spot the ball going up. Um, yeah, a bit of a Chris Kamara moment there. I I I do I do just love having those options. Like it's it's such a privilege to have these kind of options off the bench to be like, you know, yeah. Oh, which of my five different plan Bs can I can I go for today for this this back ten? Um, but yeah, I love I love that Shuka is is so good at King's Meadow as well. It's just her home now. Like she she just makes things happen at home. It's it's great to watch. And yeah, shout out to Aggie, obviously. Just just that constant driving threat, and it made things happen. What I love about Aggie, and I think it's just building confidence now, right? She she has had plenty of opportunities this year. She's had plenty of impact this year. She has a look on her face when she comes on the pitch now that is like no holds barred, take no prisoners, take no shit from anybody. And in a game where you could argue maybe the intensity wasn't the best it's ever been. I thought that was incredibly valuable. Um, I know that Emma Hayes will be looking at that performance and going, perhaps there should be a few more opportunities given to someone like that. She could have had a penalty uh, in the second half as well. Um, and so these are, again, you just kind of think of the little things, which I'm a big fan of looking at the little things, how they can impact the bigger picture. I, I am so impressed with Aggie. It would be a, you know, a monumental upset if she didn't win newcomer of the year um, this year. It's just an absolute wonderful, wonderful player with a bright future ahead. Yeah. And to your point, Nick, like we know how far ahead Emma looks, right? We don't want to listen. We don't want to look back to that game at the Emirates, but that was the first time Aggie was deployed on the right wing. And since then she keeps coming on there. And I'm just, I'm just looking at, at JRK and, how she's been such an important player for us this season, but she is fatiguing. And we know how long-term the view is with Emma, right? And you've just seen 
game on game, Aggie is getting more and more kind of comfortable with that role, with the different angles, with the different skill set required for that right wing role. And, you know, it it could be a massive deal come the end of the season. We'd, we always talk about running Chelsea, but for me, if your options are, are kind of fully fit JRK with that kind of mentally switched on attitude and Aggie, as hungry as she is, and you talked about the look on her face, it's expectation now. It's not like, you know, it's not like this is a uh, wet behind the ears youngster coming on. This is a serious threat coming on that people have to worry about. Mm. And she knows that and she's she's building herself into it. And I, I love that for her. So, yeah, I think just more of that, man. You also missed your own uh, secondary through match review earlier when you said shook things up. I think that's a uh, a good one for you in the future. That, that one's free. You can have that one for free. All right. Uh, we're going to move into a quick ad break before we come back and talk about that goal. Uh, a Dan of the match, of course, and uh, looking at the uh, Conti Cup as well. So thanks to the sponsors, and we'll be right back. All right, Ollie, it's time. We've delayed it enough. Uh, we have to talk about uh, Myra Ramirez, back heel flick goal, first goal for Chelsea. Um, one could say a big goal in a crucial moment is this Sam Kerr in disguise. Uh, thoughts and feelings about this uh, moment and, and the finish and the confidence that it took to pull that off when things weren't necessarily going our way. Yeah, just the sheer audacity. Like, like nothing had been really coming off of her. <laughs> just, just to even think about it, like it's it's way out behind her. It's not an easy take at all. Like this isn't this isn't a kind of showboat moment. This is the only way she can affect that ball in a goalward direction, <laughs> and she gets it perfectly. Like the little the little dink, the kind of angle on it. And, and there are so many lovely camera angles going around of it. It's a bit like kind of the Enzo free kick. It's just going to run and run and run. People can watch it back. But this is our first goal, man. Like, this is starting high. <laughs> and and we'll touch on it. But, you know, Sam does that. And not a lot of other people in the team even, like, have the ability to really pull something like that off. And the kind of way in which she did it, the ease in which she did it, very, very impressive. I, I love a... Just the the way the ball floats in the back of the net and the scramble from the goalkeeper who's never getting there and the look on everyone else's face, kind of like, you know, Connor did midweek at Enzo's free kick goal, which was perfect. It was perfect. It was an unbelievable bit of skill in a moment in which, you know, Chelsea desperately needed something to kind of get them over the line. Hell of a way to get over the line. Uh, very cool. Uh, Emma Hayes goes on to say, I'm delighted for Myra to score such a world-class goal. When you're playing teams that leave a lot of bodies low, it's a lot harder. There's not a lot of space. Let's see what happens when teams don't close that same sort of space. Wink. Um, but she stayed focused to get her goal, and what a goal it was. She should have got one just before when she hit the bar, but the goal was a world-class finish. It was. It was a world-class finish, and... You, you know, pair that with what has been, I think, some very good call-outs from Jesse Abdullah and yourself about her play style, right? The willingness to run down the channels, the willingness to provide space to other forwards to get in behind, that sort of selfless yet selfish approach running with the ball. There's a player here. I mean, that is a, that's a real player. I mean, Sam's going to be out for a long time. 
with an ACL, right? This is unfortunately a, a big trend in, in the women's game, these ACLs that are going. But if she's able to stay healthy through the run-in, she's going to provide a whole different threat to every other team that we're playing um, than, than maybe even what we had before. Yeah, like, I mean, we talked about it, but look how much Palace had to sacrifice in order to kind of stop our front line, right? And just, you know, Emma said, teams just won't do that. <laughs> like, uh, City arguably are going to try and leave her one-on-one. And good luck to her. Like, good luck to them. Like, <laughs> if they, yeah, go Sounds ahead. Sounds good. Let's do it. <laughs> because, like, if, if, you, if you allow Myra to run at you one-on-one for 90 minutes, she is going to break through not once, not twice, but a few times, right? There are going to be times where you simply can't stop her and you have to pull her down. Or, you know, pull her shirt like like they did multiple times today or take her down for the penalty like <laughs> they did. You know, so it's like this This is a player who is a serious, serious problem and she is only going to get better. I just love the kind of humility she plays with, a couple with the technical ability to, you know, score the likes of that goal. But just the humility, the selfless running. If you're going to scout for a player to replace Sam Kerr, that kind of selfless running for the team, you know, driving that furrow, that lone furrow, applying the lone furrow down into the corners, just advancing play, just selflessly, even if it doesn't lead to a chance for yourself. That is what Myra can really offer you. And it's it's really, really exciting to see. I'm just sad that we didn't get the kind of extra Lauren capacity to, to run through the middle as well today. But I'm just so excited to see the player she can become. Because I don't think she knows how good she can be either. I think like she's reaching a level now where it with like a little bit of coaching, uh, she can just reach that kind of world class coaching with a couple of steps. Like, I'd, yeah, I think mm-hmm. she she's not far away at all. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. You know, of course, just knock on wood, everyone stays healthy and we actually have a full strength squad going into this Champions League uh, quarterfinal and hopefully to a semifinal and hopefully to a final um, because, goodness gracious, that is going to be difficult. Um, Refereeing today, you mentioned it, shirt pulls, physical play, crunching tackles, nary a foul to be called, nary a yellow card to be given. Um, This was uh, very uh, aggro refereeing. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Uh, Very tough. Uh, there were two clear penalty shouts not given. I don't even think she was, based on the replays I've seen, I don't even think she was looking at either one of them. Uh, I don't think the, the Lions people felt uh, any compunction to give either foul, and that really sucks um, because, you know, again, if you, th- that was exactly what Palace were hoping for. You know, if you had a, if you had a referee that was going to give every foul in this game, they would have really struggled. Um to, to play the game that they played and the referee kind of just allowed it. And I think Chelsea had their fair share in there too. I thought it was a pretty physical game overall, but yeah, it was, uh, it was dodgy from a refereeing perspective. Just to wrap this one up quotes from Emma, uh, very tough cup game. Palace deserve a lot of credit. They made a difficult scrappy game. The ball was out of play for more time in this game than any other game we've played in this year. They did everything to kill the momentum. That's why there was 10 minutes added on at the end, but that's to be expected. It was actually eight, but that's fine. Uh, I could see why they're challenging to go up to the WSL. 
I thought we passed the ball really poorly in the first half. We were made to work for the win. In the second half, I asked the team to play with a little bit more quality, particularly in pressing the ball. That's on us, and I don't think we did that well enough in general today, but we improved. Players came off the bench to add something. It was a really great debut goal from Ira. So uh, all's well that ends well. Ollie, of course, now we are into the uh, Dan of the match. If we win, we're in. And uh, tell the people who won this one, and it won't be a surprise who, who won the Dan of the match. Yeah, Aaron Aaron can take one night off and only one night off. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, Myra, Myra Backheel Ramirez takes it with 88.5%. We had Ashley and Melly joint on 4.1% and Aaron with 3.2%. So, yeah, as you'd expect, that kind of standout moment gives you a clear winner. Match winner it almost always goes uh, that way. So what does this mean for Chelsea? Of course, moving on to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup, looking for, I believe, a fourth straight FA Cup win. Um, that would be pretty neat just to throw that out there. Um, but in the fifth round, some very interesting results, Ollie. Would you like to share with the people some of the more interesting uh, results that happened and what it might mean for us? Yeah, um, City got over the line in more ways than one uh, against uh, Arsenal there. Uh, <laughs> it was 1-0 uh, late on, very, very nervy. Um, yeah, London City Lionesses put up a, a decent fight at home to uh, Liverpool. Um, there was a kind of <laughs> long, long second half for, for Forrest um, after they, they got a, a goal back against Everton. I think they lost 7-1 seven, seven in the end. Um uh, yeah, United got through against Southampton 3-1. Uh, Brighton uh, had a good fight again uh, with Wolves. And then very late on, like 88th minute, it was one all. Uh, they scored three uh, <laughs> three goals to make it look much more certain than it actually looked. And then obviously uh, Spurs taking the home win against Charlton. Uh, and Leicester um, with a <laughs> crazy goal-scoring game there, um, 6-2. Um, against the spirited Birmingham City side. So the uh, FA Cup quarterfinal draw will be made uh, basically as you're listening to this show on the one show on BBC One in the UK. Um, look, anything could happen here. We've seen some crazy draws before. Um, you know, I think at this stage with all the matches that Chelsea have to play, you're kind of hoping for your Leicester Cities or, you know, your Brightons of the world to, to be a part of the draw, but it also would not shock me if Chelsea got the hardest possible um, quarterfinal in city as well. Um, so look, who knows what's going to happen? Do you have any predictions for, for who the draw is going to be Ollie? To be the best, you got to beat the best, my man. It's the same in the Conti cup. It's the same in uh, the champions league. If you got to win it, you got to beat everyone. So you're going with City. That's what you're hoping for in the quarterfinal. <laughs> I'm not hoping That's for the it. One. <laughs> I I have a sneaky <laughs> suspicion. I have a sneaky suspicion we'll get United at home. That honestly makes a lot of sense. All right. Well, let's let's talk about the other cup. So FA Cup advanced. We're into the quarterfinals. Conti Cup into the semis after a five-nil home win against Sunderland on Wednesday with the highly rotated uh lineup in there of Sachira Musevich, Shukaneskin, Kanisha Buchanan, Marin Mielda making a long-awaited return. I love that. Eve Parasset, Sophie Engel, Yelena Kankovic, Aggie Beaver-Jones, Frank Kirby, Micah Hamano making a wonderful start and debut, and Mia Fischel up top. Uh, this was 
I don't know, a lot of fun. There, I think everyone played the full 90. It was just a a beautiful display, 5-0 victory. Um, you described this in our group chat as, quote, really fun, end quote. Care to elaborate, Ollie? <laughs> yeah, I mean, completely unlike today's game or <laughs> the last game, right? So, I mean... <laughs> It was it was just lovely to watch. Like there were so many lovely moments to call out. You're looking at the kind of youthful endeavor of of Hamano and Fischel and, and Bieber Jones in the front line, marshaled by the supreme Super Frank Kirby with yet another beautiful headed goal, um, channeling her in a Sam Kerr. And then we had the kind of marauding Shuknuskin from right back, which was wild. Um, just just continuing. Cool. Huge chaos energy from Shook, which was great. Um, you talk about dominance, like just massive dominance in this game. Like we'll get into the stats. Again, 78% possession, 22 shots, 10 on target. Like this was this was a performance where, yeah, they, they Sunderland were not able to hold back the blue waves, right? We were absolutely destroying them pretty much from... <laughs> from the first whistle um they only really got a couple of chances when we switched off but you know with 11 changes that that does come but yeah it was just the only real surprise was that it took 28 minutes for us to get on the score sheet to be honest because there were just so many times before then nick that like yeah we really could have scored goals very similar to the fa cup where it's like first three minutes was like three or four chances created micah could have had three of them I, I mean it was it was crazy she just kind of found herself in the right spot just couldn't necessarily put the right final touch on it uh obviously the marauding right back getting two goals uh is super funny and shook and uh, just what can she do uh is she gonna get 20 goal contributions this year from all over the field stay tuned for more uh uh, Aggie, of course, getting a wonderful goal, and then Fran kind of finishing it off, 83rd, 90th, plus one minutes. I mean, this is a, a lot of fun to look at. Uh, of course, shots on target being, you know, 10, and we got five out of that. And I think we had, we scored on five of eight big chances that we had in the game, which is wonderful. Um, Sunderland did not prove to be much of a test, unfortunately, for them. And this does just show. I think, you know, the biggest talking point out of this one is that our B squad, um, which I say with a, a lot of love for these players on the on the field, our B squad can compete with very, very, very many teams in the world. Uh, maybe there's only like four or five that, you know, they wouldn't necessarily put up the biggest fight against. But you, you look at that lineup, there's world-class talent all over it. And it's just not right now good enough to start in our most important games because we've seen the other players who are playing at an even higher level most of the time. So if you're looking at this scary stuff, uh, really scary stuff, the fact that Shukinoskin playing right back, which is not what we signed up for, but here we are. Uh, Eve Parasite playing left back, not really uh, where we thought we'd be at the beginning of the season, but she's put in some really good performances over on that side. Uh, Elena basically being frozen out the first half of the season's come on and looked really good. You know, Aggie, of course, looking good. Micah making an impression first out. Mia Fischel playing, I think, a pretty solid game overall. Holdup plays a lot different than Myra, but still really effective. Uh, it, this is nuts uh, what this team could possibly do. And you gave some important rest to the likes of JRK, the likes of Aaron Cuthbert, the likes of Dean Charles. 
Lauren James, et cetera, et cetera. So huge, huge result. Um, the reward, of course, for winning uh, 5-0 against Sunderland is a semifinal away at Manchester City, just as Ollie would have hoped for. The winner, of course, will go on to play the final at the Molyneux uh, Wolf Stadium against most likely, if we're honest, Arsenal. Um, who have a match against London City uh, midweek, uh, I think on Wednesday, and then uh, we'll play Villa uh, in the other semifinal if they do advance. Uh, come on, London City Lionesses. We believe in you, of course. Um, but, yeah, it's likely to be Arsenal in the final City uh, away in the semifinal. Ollie, thoughts on that and the domestic trouble being alive? It's Emma's last dance, man. We're going for everything. Like, I, I, don't, I don't care who you put in front of us. This team, I, I back against anyone. Like, I, I, don't, I just don't care anymore. Like, I'm, I'm looking at this squad, and we have the sheer bloody mind in this to get over the line when we're not playing well. We have the squad depth to unlock, like, defenses that, that want to sit back for, for 90 minutes or 70 minutes or whatever. We have the individual style quality, even without arguably the best player in the world in Sam Kerr. Like it's there for us to win. And, you know, City show today against Arsenal, they they have weaknesses. And, you know, Bunny um Bunny went off off injured. Um, we don't know what she'll be like for, for Friday, but it'll be interesting to see if uh, how they deal without her and, and and if they do have a plan B off the bench. Because to me, their plan A is is all that happens. And if you can stop that, if you can stop the likes of the dangerous you know, Chloe Kelly, Lauren Hemp, and make sure they don't hit those wings and, and are able to get past you one-on-one, you can have your own game. You can play your own way with them. So, yeah, I think I'd, I just back us against anyone. Um, unfortunately, it is away at the Joie Stadium, and we don't particularly have a great record there, um, or uh, pretty much ever. But we did, you know, again, just get, like, scrape, uh, a, a point there this season um, and we have won there in the past so I just think this season you just have to get over the line the result is all that matters and to Emma I'm pretty sure she wants to win everything so to me we've got to make up for all that's gone before the the last couple of final defeats back to back like she will hate that that they are going to be sent out to win these games for sure, um, I, you know. You also think about the implications as you're as you're talking about the treble, right? Where we are in the league, City's really the only, I think, threat to the title right now as it stands. Obviously, Conti Cup, City in our way to winning that FA Cup. I'm a betting man, and I would put money that we get them in the quarterfinal for for fun, uh, but. I mean, if you think about the way that those results could potentially impact other things, right? You're playing away at City on Friday. If you're able to, or if you're playing at home against City on Friday, if you're able to beat City, what does that do to the quarter? What does that do to the semifinal? What does it do potentially in the FA Cup? Like that mental edge could be firmly established uh, by that point. And, you know, if that is our if that's our biggest threat, and you have the mental edge over them, and I think you have a hell of a squad as well. In addition, you know, it could be a lot of fun. Um, conversely, it could go the other way. Who knows? Uh, so, this is uh, what we like to call winning time here on the podcast. And you know, these sorts of closing months of the season, as you get into March, April, and May, are 
you know, really where we see run in Chelsea uh, get back to their finest form and start to play some of their best ball. Uh, I hope that Emma is giving the squad the rest that they need to be at their best for that running because it's going to be intense. The emotions are going to be intense. Uh, and unlike other years, maybe it won't be, you know, just the physical play that's super demanding. Um, you know, the the win it for the gaffer sort of mentality is going to be there. Uh, so I hope everyone's able to be at their best. We avoid any new injuries, all that sort of stuff. But... <sighs> Final thoughts, Ollie. Moving on in both cups in one week, just casual Chelsea stuff. It's what we do, man. It's what we do. Like, bring them on. Bring on the next round. <laughs> bring on the next round, indeed. Look, uh, we appreciate everyone for for tuning in on a, on a Monday. Uh, we are excited to uh, be back. Of course, uh, Jesse and Bueller are going to be back with future episodes of, of you know all sorts of makes and models. But really looking forward to City on Friday. Uh, that's going to be a big one. Uh, we'll try and get that match review out as quickly as we can right after um, because the men also play City this uh, upcoming weekend as well. So, hooray! Um, lots of City action. Uh, but, of course, until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Mm-hmm.